Hi everyone, it's Jennifer from the Communications Department, excited to bring you another edition of the Brentwood Academy podcast. One of the newest additions to our Brentwood Academy faculty family has quickly become one of the most beloved by our students, our parents, and his fellow faculty members. Paul Battaglia joined our upper school math department two years ago, bringing a passion for teaching that is fresh and inspiring. Paul is highly respected and even teaches from a textbook that he helped to author. Our Dean of Academics, Jeff Bryant, sat down with Paul to talk about his teaching style in the classroom, and as you will hear, it is epic. Enjoy their conversation. Welcome to the Brentwood Academy podcast. We are a co-educational, independent college preparatory school near Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to nurture and challenge each whole person, body, mind, and spirit to the glory of God. This podcast will give you a glimpse into the stories, lives, and relationships that make BA such a special place. For more information about BA, visit BrentwoodAcademy.com. Now on to today's episode. Well, good afternoon, Paul. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I'm glad Appreciate you it. Could take some time for us to chat this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Well, um, I have heard a number of positive comments about your classes. I've been able to visit a class myself and seen it in action, Um, but I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on the role of students in the classroom and the role of the teacher and some of the ways that you set up your uh, classroom and your lessons uh, that are in line with how you think it should go. Right. Um, Well, first off, I'm just humbled that that there have been positive comments out there because to me that's feedback's important, and we'll talk about that because... As a teacher, I need feedback from my students, right? So, exactly. so if things are working, um, I definitely want to do more of that as we go. So, yeah, as we as we think about um, the role of the student and the role of the teacher, I think communication is critical. And uh, just as a simple, easy example, uh, you know, here at BA we have we have cleanup responsibilities for our students, and I know that this isn't necessarily an academic um, component, mm-hmm. but the idea is this year for my cleanup responsibilities for my classroom. I noticed in the first couple of weeks that we had some kind of inconsistent either showing up or, you know, performing whatever tasks needed to be performed by the students. And I actually took a step back after a couple of weeks and I was like, well, why is that? Well, that's because I didn't communicate what are my exact expectations? Who is going to vacuum? Mm-hmm. When, what day are you going to vacuum? You know, who is going to clean the board? So as we transition into the academic side of things, right? The first few days of school for me are huge because I want to communicate to my students not only obviously what I expect of them academically, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, what kind of energy am I going to bring and what would I expect from them on the other side? You know, that give-take relationship. Right. If I if I pour into you, you know, here's what I expect out of you. I don't need the world, you know, but I want you to be engaged and I want you to learn and I want you to learn to love to learn. You know, so for me, the role of the student is I, I want you to be active. Right. I want you to ask questions. I want you to be wrong. You know, I want you to not be afraid to be wrong when you're talking with your peers or you're talking with me. I want you to feel that you can ask a question and really, hopefully, that ignites some discussion amongst all of us. Right. And if I can get you to do that, you know, then I'll do my part on the other end. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe we can. Um, stay in that for just a minute because I think that's particularly important for students to see that they don't have to be right 
every time, right, right. every minute. Right. Um, can you give just a couple of examples of way that, ways that you respond to students when they are hazarding a guess or trying a new solution sure. strategy and it doesn't come out? How do you how do you facilitate that right. feeling of oh well that's all right that's just part of learning? You know it's it's funny because I think you have to do it early and maybe even sometimes often in the year because I think you know s- traditionally students don't see that mm-hmm. right. Um, I I've seen a lot of too early intervention in a class in a math classroom especially you okay. know so student A doesn't understand what step to do next and the teacher rescues them right or or even and this is just as bad i think is uh, their their peer rescues them uh, do this okay well you just show them how to do it but they don't know how to do it you right. know it's kind of like the analogy i always make is if i'm learning how to drive and you say when you see that red sign you need to stop if i as the driving instructor pump the brake for you you haven't learned how and when to stop when you're driving so it's the same thing here so i don't want to interfere with that process right and yeah. and the great thing about the academic environment is unfortunately you know we are in i think in a culture where students are teenagers are are growing up thinking that they just have to be right like you said every time in every decision they make in the world and they don't and so I want my space to be that space where they can say, this is where I learned to be wrong. And not only that, but I learned how to fix it. I learned why it didn't work. And then, yes, maybe I can go show somebody else why that line of thinking isn't isn't the correct line in this case. You know, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do I do that in the beginning of the year? What I would do is I would usually put them into some small groups, give them a task that I know is challenging, maybe even open-ended, and tell them right up front, just so we understand, I'm not here right now. I'll walk around, I might peer over your shoulder, mm-hmm. and you're going to look to me because out of habit, I'm near you, so you wanna know what do I think, what can I say, and I'm just gonna observe. I'm yeah. not gonna say a word, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's very frustrating, and I get it for a student. You do that enough, though, and then they have no choice then. Yes. But to <laughs> learn on their own, talk to each other, and grow, so that's kinda of how I would do it, at least in the beginning, you know. Great, great. And so when students seem to capture that, when right. they really get it, what are some of the best responses you see in your students who catch the way you want them to be learning? It, it's, it's, you know, it's so funny. It's so simple. Yeah. The excitement, the joy. Oh, I can do this. Hearing that comment like, you know, I never used to be, I quote unquote, never used to be good at math mm-hmm. or I never understood math. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is also reframing. You know, so a lot of that involves me talking to them and saying, wait, time out. You, you have the perception you weren't good at math. Maybe you just hadn't developed the resilience you needed up until this point, And now you're seeing, wait a minute, I'm capable. Yeah. I'm capable. And right. and I think that to me is that's what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about a 94 or an 82. It's I want them to see that they are capable. And then what do we want? We want that to transition into outside of here when you leave exactly. here, right? You're capable. I mean, I always use the example. I, I'm self self-proclaimed terrible with cars. Mm-hmm. But I always tell them why why is that? That's because I've made the choice not to be better mm-hmm. with car. I could learn how to change the oil in my car. I just haven't put the time in. Right. So I'm not going to act as a victim, right? Like I'm not going to act like I can't do it. I just haven't explored what I need to do to be really good at it. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. So. That's cool. Well, interesting. And it's great. It's great to see when they do catch it. And oh, when that enthusiasm yeah. comes out. Right. And they really have a different way of thinking about their progress right yeah that's exciting well in addition to those great student teacher interactions you and i know that 
that we, although we close the door to one classroom, we're really working as a team, mm -hmm. as a community mm -hmm. of teachers. And um, I know that you have presented at a number of different conferences and that mm -hmm. you've been an active part of our math department. Um, so thinking about connecting with your colleagues right. and stimulating uh, new ideas and, and maybe even risk-taking, right, right, right. Um, can you give me an example, um, maybe one both here at BA sure. or, or one that you've encountered through your other professional right. interactions in different settings? What are some great, great examples of the ways that, that you and, and other professionals have inspired each other? You know, I love just that phrase I've come to appreciate more risk-taking yeah. right in yeah. fact that you know not not to go into it too much but like that that really that describes my journey here to BA mm -hmm. you know what I mean coming from moving our family from New Jersey to Tennessee you know yeah. not having any family not really knowing somebody who knew somebody or any of that kind of thing th that was a risk for us true you know there's a calculated risk there and so a lot of that is faith-based and mm -hmm. I think that's important too is you know I think it's important to tell our students and our colleagues right as we talk about I don't know how this is going to end up, right. but I'm going to trust that there is somebody who does, you know, mm -hmm. and we're just going to follow that plan. So we go into interaction with colleagues, right? And so one, some of the things that we've been playing around with are, you know, is, well, what does it start with? The question is always what's best for our students. Right. So whether we're talking about scheduling or we're talking about an elective or we're talking about sim simple, how are we assessing them? Can we do something different in that regard? Homework load, right? To me, if it's student-centered, it, and and that, that's what we have here. Right? We have colleagues that are willing to get in on that conversation right. and say, you know what? I don't know if I have all the answers. We as a group may not have all the answers, but we're, we're smart people. We can figure this out. And what's the one thing we all have in common? We love these kids and we want the best for these kids. That's right. So let's find a schedule that works for our kids. That might not work for the school down the street or you know the school in a different state, but for our kids, this schedule works great. And, mm -hmm. and for our kids and for where, where we want them to be when they go to the next year or they graduate, this is how we think we can assess them. Yeah. And this is risky. Not a lot of schools are doing this or only a couple have tried this and you know we're going to have to pilot this. I think that there's value in that and I think that's the thing that holds schools back mm -hmm. is we don't want to change the schedule because A, we've always done it this way or B, you know, it really works with the staff we have now. But again, what's the what's the essential question? Is it best for our students in 2000-whatever, right. you know? Right. And so to me, that drives everything. And so working with, with you guys and, and throwing stuff out there and seeing what works and what doesn't and testing things out, yeah. to me, is really I've, I've really become more that, – That's I've been more excited about that, you know, professionally, where I, mm -hmm. I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say I always felt that way, you know, but right. – when you look at a bunch of schedules and you're like, this one won't work because our kids, that doesn't work for them, you know, mm -hmm. or, hey, you know, let's look at homework. Are we given too much? Is right. it pointed? Does it have mm -hmm. a purpose? Mm -hmm. You know, let's look at a test. Why Why? Why is it a where that? Where'd four points come from? Yeah. Why is that worth four points? You know, what's the rubric there? You know, yeah. so really getting down into the then you know the, the nitty gritty stuff, thinking yeah. about what is our objective and how are we going about it and, and right. is it the best way that we could be? That so to me, so for colleague, like when we talk about colleague interaction, that's yeah. you know that to me is 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 everything. So, um, outside of the traditional school setting, when we mm -hmm. talk about conferences or presentations or something like that, to me, I, I put. It, there's a lot of pressure, but it's t completely self-inflicted. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because when I do a conference or a proposal, um, like I just put one in today for an AP conference next year, mm -hmm. um, 
I just don't want to do the same old thing. <laughs> right. Um, I've been to conferences where it's the same old thing and, um, you know, I just want to do something creative, but that teachers can walk out of there and go, I want to try that. And I want them to take risks. Like sure. I want, and then we talk about that in the conference, you Good. know, I, you look, you're going to go and your and your students are different than my students and your school is different and your, you know, administration is different than my administration. So the only way you're going to find out is you got to go do it. And if it fails, it fails, but you're going to learn what to tweak. You might throw it out. I mean, I've, we've all done that. You know, I right. thought this was going to be great. Five minutes in, you're like, well, this is a debacle. Yeah. You know, so. Um, <laughs> Been there. Yeah, right. So, I mean, so when I talk to other teachers at conferences and stuff like that, I want them to come away. I want them to be active just like I would want a student. I want them actively engaged in the presentation. I want mm-hmm. them doing something. I want them talking. I want them giving me feedback. I want Q&A. I want, mm-hmm. I want that dialogue. So when I create something like that, if it's, if it's more academically targeted, I want them to at least walk out of there going, I have all these things I can try. Let me go see what works. You know? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, um, like like lately in August, for instance, you know, I'll give like I gave a keynote on um, and this is really just a topic that's passionate to me, which is the title is Know Your Students More Than Your Content. Mm. So for me, um, about eleven ten or eleven years ago, I just had a seismic shift in the way philo- philosophically. I wanted to go about almost everything in my classroom. And, uh, tell me about that. Well, so it started, I mean, it's a heavy topic. I mean, basically what happened was I had a. Um, I had been teaching for about 10 years at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had um, a very, like a relatively small AP calculus class of 16 kids. And I, at the time I called them, they were like the ragtag bunch of kids, like the bad news bears of <laughs> AP calc classes. Yeah. So, you know, like nobody could do anything right consistently or, you know, it was just, it was a mess. And, and a part of that, I'm sure a large part of that was definitely on whatever I was doing, you know? And, yeah. um, and it probably was also, uh, um, you know, when you teach for 10 years, somehow, I think sometimes you think like, all right, I think I got this thing figured out, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So part of it was probably that too. So, Long story short, basically what happened was very deep into the year um, where we had really struggled to just kind of be a family or be a cohesive group. Um, one of our students took his own life. Oh, no. And that was only about like nine or 10 days before the AP exam, which, oh, which wow. again is irrelevant at this sure, point. Sure, it but, is, yes. Um, but the idea was j- just maybe a week or two prior, I had um, – basically told them this is the first class I ever did this I told them that I loved them you know yeah. there were tears and I was just telling them how much I really really wanted them to succeed not just in life you know right. and I just felt like right. I wasn't doing that for them and then for this to happen I just realized that I had spent that whole year not knowing them mm-hmm. you know and then mm-hmm. and then of course and in, in a situation like that yeah did I miss something like everybody of course asks that you know like did I miss something was there anything yeah. I could have done oh, yeah so basically I spent the entire summer this is like late April um just self-reflecting right you know what what could i have done different and and okay that's that's a specific but on a larger scale as we go forward like what do what do i have to be Mm -hmm. for the high school junior and senior right now you know and so yeah that so now when i go and speak sometimes that's what i'm speaking about is how we can talk about math all day Mm -hmm. we could talk about (laughs) you know solving this problem or learning this concept and how that's vitally important for state standardized testing we could take talk about that all day Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day if something like this happens nobody cares right you know and that's the and and you know and that kid wasn't you know he didn't get to live out or she didn't get to live out their full potential and let's face it i mean today we are dealing with that as a national crisis so that's right um Every day I want my kids to know that I care about them, I love them, and I want them to know that 
I I'll be whatever they need me to be mm-hmm. for them to get where they need to be in life. So yeah, yeah. I mean that that's so that's that's kind of what I'll do sometimes professionally. Is, right. And 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 I gave this talk in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. in in August, and um, people just came up and were like, I went through something similar, or yeah, I needed to hear that, right. you know. And I I I came to this conference thinking. You know, there's 12 sessions and, you know, I got to get all this information. And then when I listen to what you just told me, I realized I have to do some thinking. Yeah. And that's all I want. I just want you to think about, you know, why are we shoving all this stuff down our kid's throat and for not getting to know them? Exactly. Why is that not important? You know? Exactly. Exactly. So, what's what's the most important thing about our work? Right. 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 That's the long answer. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No. Very interesting. And, you know, you clearly can communicate compassion with passion. And, <laughs> and I think that that's going to be impactful to your students. You obviously have a gift for inspiring other people and equipping other people right. to stretch and to right. and to grow, um, and that's exciting. I've I've enjoyed our conversations that you and I have had about certain right. topics right. where we've been brainstorming right. and, and, and the energy across the table and, right. and you know moving from one idea to the next. It's it's clear that you you can guide that. And you can build that, and that's Try, really trying, right? And learning, exactly, yeah. exactly. Doing it How yourself do it and, and yeah. leading others to do it too. So, right. super exciting. Well, let me turn us to a little bit different uh, tack with um, thinking a little bit about curriculum. Okay. Um, I know that you have written, uh, excuse me, a couple of textbooks, and that they've been published and are right. in use in classrooms. And so, I think a number of people would agree that you know a great teacher can lead students to learning with just about any materials right, or curriculum. Right. However, um, having a great curriculum can really make that better for both the teacher and the student. So what are what are some of your thoughts on what makes a, a really high-quality math curriculum? Um, I came up with this. I don't even know how I came up with this, but sometimes, like anybody else, I get these ideas, in the, you know, like in the middle of the night or in the shower or something, you know. Yeah. So I came up with this acronym for, for the word EPIC. Mm. I mean, first off, the connotation of the word itself, like, is pretty good, right? Yes, so, yes. so then I was like, well, how could I use that word in any way? Or, so I came up with what what do I want a math class to look like, right? As many days as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Like, also knowing that, and that's the thing I like to tell teachers too, and I, I have to remember myself, like, every class is not going to be the greatest thing in the entire world, you right, know, right? Um, for whatever reason. So, so the E in my mind stands for uh, well, a couple things. It's not just one word, engineered empathetic, emotional. So mm-hmm. these are things I want in, like I want to be able to engineer the experience, not, not because I'm doing everything, right? but I want to create an, ex- I want to engineer an experience that I know leaves them with the ability to learn something and come away with a deep understanding of something. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? Sometimes I use emotional um, tools. So okay. for instance, I might show them a video leading into a topic of a ski jumper, like an actual video of a person ski jumping off of a cliff. Mm-hmm. So immediately that elicits an emotion. Exactly. You know, and, and, and so then I have no idea what we're about to talk about. <laughs> right. But we're going to talk about how to calculate the rate at which that person's distance is changing and all this different mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But so so that emotional response is something that at least now has them locked in. Right. Right. And then when we talk about P, it, it kind of transitions. So the P is the personal connection. I want it to be personal to them. So if we're talking about money and exponential growth of, I want it to be about money. I mean, I can give you 50 equations, but why should you care? Right. But if we talk about investing your money for retirement or purchasing a house, now I've made it personal to you. That's right. Because you care, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So that's, that's the P. The I, again, they're all, there's a lot of synergy there. The I is, is, is the lesson 
as individualized as I can make it. Mm, good. Right? So, and and that's really the most difficult one, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have all these different learners in a class coming sometimes from different teachers, different classes, whatever it might be, kind of yeah. melding together. And so that's hard. I mean, you it know. It is. It really is. Trying to say student A and B need this and learn best when we do this, but student C, D, E, and F, you know, need all this. So, so that that is that there's the I basically. So mm-hmm. that's and then mm-hmm. and then the C for me is is it you know how much of that is captivating? Yeah, and it's tough in math because right. sometimes you're not dealing with captivating concepts. So that to me is again it's going back to what's going on currently in the world. Can I tie it there? Yeah, you know what 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 are they what can they relate to? And so just a quick like how do I do that? So at the beginning of the year on my informational survey is mm-hmm. one of the questions I ask them is if. If I could connect one real life concept that interests you at some point during this class, what would it be? Right. And so then I have a log of all these things and I'm just trying to check mm. them off during the year. You know, like Good. one day we do money, it's science, yeah. it's space, whatever. And, and I'm not always great at it because I don't have that kind of knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm paying attention to the news. I'm going online. I'm going on Twitter. I'm doing whatever I can to find something current and, and relevant mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that ties it all together. Well, I'm sure the students appreciate you being responsive to their interests and giving them the opportunity to put that out there. I'd want it. As, You'd want as, it, right? Of course, <laughs> of course. And then you rise to that challenge looking for those things over the course of the year. So that has to be um, something that students appreciate. I, I, think. I, I think so. And it's probably bad for me, too, because it's probably a letdown when I don't make it happen. <laughs> you know, so um, and that's OK, too. But that's part of just learning. Yeah, right, well, so. yeah, we have to afford ourselves that same <laughs> right? thing. So, We're trying to inspire right. in our students, right? That, right? that it doesn't have to be perfect every time, but we right. just have to be strong. But then you get the you get the question, you get the questions like, "Oh, we're not we're not doing that again today," <laughs> you know? So, so no, sorry. Um, yeah, but that's it's funny. So that's that's kind of I don't know. It's, maybe it's cheesy, maybe it's not. But that's anytime I sit down to come up with a new lesson or revamp something. Yeah, I'm always like, "Is it epic?" No, like, well, that's great it because it gives you a <laughs> yeah. framework to think about it. And then it keeps you on focus with those things that are really important. I mean, thinking about your eye of individualization, I mean, that's something we all need to pay attention to, right? right. In our mission, it's each whole person. And right, so right, right. instructionally and educationally, how do we differentiate? How do we lead each student wherever they're coming from, wherever they're starting from? How right. do we get them farther along and making progress and feeling that success that you were talking about at the yeah, beginning uh, of our yeah, conversation? No right? <laughs> that's the grand challenge of education for us and what I think, in my opinion, and really keeps it stimulating all the time is it's never the right. same. No two kids are the same. It's, Every it, class is and different. That, it's funny because when people find out that I was not always in education, you know, like I mm-hmm. wasn't, I wasn't an education major. Right. Um, started off as an actuary, you mm-hmm. know, in mm-hmm. Washington D.C. So um, it's funny because I, I, I think there's just, um, I don't know what the word is. Maybe it's, I mean, it's a false sense of this idea that in order to teach, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have all this, you know, specific book training, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe I'm the outlier. I don't know, but I didn't have that, you know, yes. and I did. I did. I do what I needed to do, you know, at the time in New Jersey to become a teacher and transition. I absolutely did. Sure. But there's, you know, there's nothing like the classroom experience to teach you. That's right. You know, and so. If I'm anywhere right now, it's only because, and we talked about the experience before, like all of these experiences have helped mold me and continue, really is the key word, to continue to mold me into the the teacher that I think my students need me to be. Right. You know, so um, that's what's fascinating is there's not one day we come to work knowing what to expect. That's true. Right? So, that's I mean, true. And, and to be honest with you, that is just not something I got when I was in Washington, D.C. And that's how I knew I didn't. <laughs> 
it's unfortunate that I didn't see that beforehand. Right. But you know, I had to be in it to know this is not stimulating for me. Right. And it is the same thing every day. Yeah. With a couple numbers changed. You know. <laughs> so so yeah, that that was just wasn't. I knew right away this. I can't do this. Right. For fifty years. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Well, good for us and good for the students that you that you jumped in. And, well, it's a two-way uh, street, too, a so yeah, they, um, they keep me on my toes. So yeah. yeah, well, you obviously have a gift for responding to them and leading them in ways that are really productive, and um, I'm just really glad you're part of our team. Well, I'm happy to be part of the team and um, just really, really, I was just excited to looking forward to all the stuff we continue to try and roll out, you know I mean? So excited that the kids want, to see change and, and we want to see good change, obviously, you know, right. positive change and, and just anything that we can come up with, like we said, that's better for for the school and for the kids is something that I think is going to put BA in a place that um, it's going to be pretty hard to compete with. So Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Nothing like that positive experimentation right, and, right. and pressing forward. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time, Paul. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Enjoyed it myself. Thank you to both Jeff and Paul. Paul's passion for his students, the subject he teaches, the goals he sets as an educator are impressive. And again, we are so thankful to have him here at Brentwood Academy. To see and learn more about Paul's innovative teaching style, check out his personal educational website, BeBetterTeachBetter.com. Thanks for listening. It's always great to hear the wonderful stories, moments, and insights from members of the BA community. If you have an idea for a podcast episode, we want to hear it. Just visit BrentwoodAcademy.com forward slash podcast to submit your episode idea today.